we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. But it was, you got a lot of people friends. Yeah, no, it's yeah. been amazing. I mean, seriously, but it's been awesome. So, Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll see you. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Yeah. That'll be good. Cool. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Your comments, I always do. Oh, it's just, it's just curious. Good stuff, yes. I mean, you, you, you get the you, same you, thing, but yeah. But she's in a, in a, in yeah. a you know, prostate type yeah. form. <laughs> it's still the question. But it's the same thing. Yeah, it is. And I guess you can do that in, in, a, in an accusing way, or you can do it in a humble way, but it's, it's still. Yeah, and, and the written word, we don't really know. Yeah, so there's no inflection, so. Yeah. Well, I think we, we do the same thing sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we get angry with God, and other times we just go, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have fixed it. Yeah. And yeah. I do think that sometimes. Oh, you do. There's yeah. times in my life. Well, I know God stepped in and protected me from doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Like this. And there's other times he's let me go through and do it. Yeah. And I just go, yeah. why did you step in there? <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? Couldn't you stop that yeah. one? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you knew what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I'm the same way. So, there's so many, so many things. Um, anyway. Um, so, are you, you got 1230 or
Good morning. Welcome to South Tulsa Baptist Church. I'm Zach, the associate pastor here. Just glad to welcome you into church this morning. We're so glad that you're here. As Pastor Eric begins a new sermon series, The Good News, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to hear personal testimonies and faith stories uh, from some of you. So we look forward to, to hearing, and we're uh, thankful that we get to be a part of that service. He'll also give us a challenge today as you receive some cards as you walked in. We'll talk a little more about that. Uh, a couple of things to mention from our channel, if you picked one of those up as you walked in this morning. One of those is we have a Bring It Home event that's going to be taking place a week from tomorrow on October 16th. Uh, this is going to be a women's ministry event where you can come and learn about the Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. And we're going to also be highlighting the Hope Pregnancy Center, uh, Ultrasound Mobile Unit, Foster Care Resources, uh, the Boys Town Ranch. And we just would love for our ladies to come and just hear about those opportunities they have to serve in some of those places. And also just about what our Oklahoma Baptists are up to and what they're doing. Uh, that's a free event. That's a free dinner. So you can get registered online for that. We'd love to have you be a part of that with us a week from Monday. Uh, and then a week from tonight, here in the Worship Center, we will have the Oklahoma Baptist Symphony in concert. That's an 82-piece symphony, and we'd love for you to come out and support that. It'll just be a wonderful night of worship, enjoying the Lord together uh, through that ministry of music that they'll bring. And then one last thing, we want to make sure that you guys remember we have our silent basket auction that'll be taking place. Uh, we had a lot of Sunday school uh, teachers and leaders asking about that this week, so we want to make sure and draw attention to that. That's for our Arts and Crafts Expo that'll be taking place in November, and so we ask individuals or classes to get together to make an auction basket that you can uh, provide for us. And all those proceeds help to go to our Guatemala missions, especially our students as they take off in March to be a part of that. Uh, this morning we have the opportunity to uh, observe our, a time of baptism. So this is one of the best ways we can start a worship service together. So we'll turn that over to our pastor now as he leads us. Thank you, Zach. And indeed, it is a wonderful way to start our time of worship together as we have three who are coming this morning to make the public profession that Jesus is Lord, that you all would be able to celebrate with them what the Lord has done in their hearts and in their lives. And the first two who are coming are brother and sister. So I want to ask that the Haskins family would all come in and join me together. Come this way, and we're going to turn around here. Take our let's take a picture this way. There we go. We can all let's all do one real quick. All right, thank you. So, this is Elsie. Elsie Haskins has come saying that she has surrendered her life to Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord, and today she's making that decision public through her baptism. And we had a great talk with Elsie about this and what the Lord's been doing in her heart and the way that her parents have spent so much time just investing in her and helping her be prepared to take this step. And I know it would mean a lot to Elsie if you would join me in celebrating the decision that she's made for Jesus Christ. Elsie, you have lots of family and friends who are here today who are witnessing your baptism, but most importantly, this is between you and the Lord. And I want to ask you, would you say today the confession that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Thank you. Based on that confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose. We're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in new life. 
Good job, Elsie. Okay. Now, this is Big Brother Gideon. Let's turn around this way. Make sure everybody can see you there. And Gideon also, we had a, a great conversation about what the Lord's been doing in his heart. And he's known that God has been preparing him for this day for a while. And just like with his sister, he and his parents, they went through some, some scriptures and, and the book that Miss Rebecca gives. And Gideon said, I know in my heart that I'm ready to do this as well. Gideon, I'm so excited that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Would you join me, church family, in celebrating Gideon's decision as well? You have lots of family and friends who are here today, but most importantly, Gideon, this is between you and God. And I want to ask you to say today the confession that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Based on that confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose. We're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in new life. I'm going to ask the whole Haskins family to come join me and as we, we do, when, when someone is baptized, this is a tradition we get from the early church, we commission them, we send them out. And I want to invite you, if you are their family or their friends, maybe in their Sunday school classes, or if you just want to stand with us on their, on their behalf to join us in this commissioning prayer, family, friends, Bible study members, anyone, if you feel led to stand, stand right now, and we're going to lay hands on them and pray this commissioning prayer over both Gideon and Elsie as we send them out today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for this testimony that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for the work that you've done in their heart. I thank you for the work that you're doing in their home and the way that they are, are growing as a family in you. And we pray for Gideon, Lord, that as he goes out today, that he would be bold, that he would live for you, and that he would speak your name to others. And we pray for Elsie, that she would also be faithful to tell others that Jesus is Lord and to tell them the good news of what you've done for her. Today, Lord, we send them out on behalf of our church, but most importantly, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate together one more time today. All right, next is Miss Inez Mendez. If you want to come join me in the water. And her beloved niece, Juliet, is coming to join Inez as well. You may remember it was just a few months ago that Juliet was here and she was baptized. And today, her aunt, having made that same decision, Inez has said, Jesus is Lord of my life. I have surrendered my heart to him and I want to be baptized publicly as a believer. And so, Inez, we celebrate your decision together. Church family, can we celebrate Inez's decision? Let's take a photo. Okay. Y ahora mi hermana en la fe, yo tengo mucha alegría para bautizarte en el nombre del el, el Padre, el Hijo y Espíritu Santo. Yes. We're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in new life. Thank you, hermana. 
All right, oramos en juntos. We're going to pray together. And if you would like to stand for Inez, so I know she has family and friends here. Anyone that feels led, would you stand for her? And you can reach out your hands. And we're also going to pray this commissioning prayer over her as we send her out together. Lord, we thank you today that you have done this incredible work in our hearts. And Lord, we pray that this confession that, that we've said out loud today that Jesus is Lord, we pray, Lord, that that would be the testimony of Inez's life, Lord, that you would use her to do great and glorious things for your kingdom, and that in this season of her life, that you would keep her, your hand on her to be her comfort, to be her guide, to be her wisdom. And Lord, may she be a light in all the places that you send her to tell others the good news of what Jesus has done for her. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of a sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At a sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord from Psalm 27, 1 through 6. Thank you, Cash, for guiding us in this way. Let us sing and make music to the Lord. Let's stand together as we sing. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
pray together this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house today to give you the praise that you are due and deserve. Lord, we are so uh, humbled before you to say thank you, Jesus, for taking our place, for dying, for coming back to life. Uh, Father, thank you that we are evidence of your resurrection here today. Lord, just lift up this service to you, especially as we get, continue to proclaim your name and also just hear uh, beautiful stories of your redemption that took place in, in lives and hearts. Thank you that each one of us in this place represents a life that has been changed and transformed. And may you help us as you've called us to go and to be a light into the darkness. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you that we don't have to go alone. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, church. You can go ahead and be seated for just a moment. Uh, again, allow me to welcome you. I'm Zach, the associate pastor here, and I uh, just want to give you a, an opportunity to uh, be welcomed here to our service. A couple things I just want to go over with you real quick. If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, we're so grateful that you would come and visit our church today and thankful to, to have you as a guest. We'd love to let you know more about our church, and there's a couple of ways uh, that we can uh, talk with you. Uh, one of those, you can fill out the card in front of you in the pew and, and put that in the offering plate so we can have a record of your visit. You can also go online to southtulsa.info and uh, leave us a record of your, info, your information there. And someone on our staff, we'd love to just contact you, learn more about your visit and how we can uh, talk with you more about uh, what it means to be a member here at South Tulsa Baptist Church. And then please do this for us. If you're visiting today, as soon as you leave and walk out these doors behind you, go to the left just a little bit. We have a coffee table and a couch. There's some little gift bags there. We have a gift that we would love to uh, put into your hands, and we'll also have a staff member and some deacons and other people that would love to just greet you in person and talk with you more about your visit today, and we'd love to get that to you. So again, thank you so much for being here today. We also have, uh, in a little bit in our service, our offering time. We love seeing our children come forward. We also have bulletins for our kids. Uh, some of those can be found in the back. We also have a family room over here to my right, and uh, we have uh, plenty of places inside there. We also have a nursing mother's room inside our family room. Uh, great place there. If, if you have young ones that get a little restless, that's a great place you can go and enjoy our service as well. Well, this morning I have the opportunity to read from our Old Testament before we continue in our time of worship. And it says this in the book of Isaiah. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this is the word of the Lord from Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Well, let's go ahead and stand together, and we will greet those around us and continue in our time of worship.
is indeed our salvation.
above every name. Let's worship him together. now as we prepare for our time of offering as our children bring their praises and prayer reports. God, we are so grateful to you. Our worship is a response to your goodness, to your kindness. Everything we have is a gift from you, and so we rejoice and we return it in kind. We love you and we praise you. We ask for your guidance as we open your word together as we continue in worship through the study of who you are, that you would help us to be hungry and thirsty for more of you every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names we pray. Amen. is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, the wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might, or human wisdom's fleeting light. 
But I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, the greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. Two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, the greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. I rejoice in my Redeemer, the greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. Thank you, Cade. Before we read scripture together, I want to pause for just a moment and ask you to join your hearts with me as we pray for Israel, as we pray for the things that we've seen in the last 24 plus hours that have been taking place there, and obviously so many families that are in the midst can, can easily be collateral damage because of, of the will of wicked people. And I know that that's probably heavy on your heart today, and many of our churches will be praying for, for Israel in the situation there. So let's join our hearts with theirs, let's join our hearts together, and let's go to the Lord and pray once again. Lord, it is hard for us to understand just how darkness can, can be so palpable that people can do the evil things that in this day and age we can, we can see it played over and over again in, in various forms. It's a reminder that as we've sung this morning and as we are, we are often are reminded as we open scripture that we are completely dependent upon you, especially when we see darkness around us and evil. And Lord, we pray today that you would, would draw our hearts close to you and that as we've joined our hearts together now, Lord, we pray for protection and we pray for peace and we pray for deliverance from the hands of, of evil and wicked people, those who are innocent. And Lord, we pray also that you would continue to protect this place that is so special to the hearts of believers. And that as we look back on our own story as Christians, we see so many things that, that, that our, our story is also rooted in. But we also see promises that you've made, promises that are yet to be fulfilled, covenants upon which our faith, our lives are built. And so Lord, we pray that as there has been throughout history, time and again, so much violence and division and and hate and evil in this part of the world. Lord, that you would protect that place. Most importantly, Lord, that you would protect those lives. 
And Lord, that your will would continue to be done and that you would give us as your people wisdom to walk in these strange and evil days. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining me in that time of prayer. Let's stand together now and Cantrell is going to read our scripture. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Welcome to the first week of our Good News series. For the next six weeks, we are going to be talking specifically each Sunday about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I've shared, these next six weeks would be a great time to invite a member of your family or a neighbor or a coworker or a friend or, or someone else as we talk about, hopefully in just very plain words, the good news of the gospel message. Hopefully you also received our Good News 1x6 challenge card as you came in. If you didn't get one of these, we have plenty of them available. They'll be on the tables right here at the back of this room. They'll be on the offering table out in the lobby at the Welcome Center. If you don't find one there, then just ask somebody. We'll make sure you get one. But I'm encouraging each and every one of us to take this 1x6 challenge. And you read on the back of the card what the Good News 1x6 challenge is. Write down the name of at least one person who you know needs to hear the good news of Christ's salvation and commit to pray for that person daily for the next six weeks. You might even consider inviting them to one of our services or one of our events. Take this card home and use it as a daily prayer reminder. At least one person that you will commit to pray for for the next six weeks. Now, if you want to choose more than one, if you want to make it a two-by-six challenge or six-by-six or a hundred-by-six, that's fine. But I'm asking you to choose at least one, one person that for the next six weeks you will pray for daily and somebody that, that you know really needs to hear the message of, of the good news of Christ's salvation. And some of you already know who that person is. You didn't even have to think about it. You have that person immediately on your mind because they've been on your heart and this has been important to you. You've already been praying this way. Others of you may need to take just a little bit of time to think and to pray, but, but please join me in taking this challenge. I'm doing the same thing, 
and praying for that person and even praying for opportunities that we might be the one to get to share the good news of Christ's salvation with them. As we begin this morning with our good news series, I, I, I just couldn't help but thinking of, to think about this phrase, just preach the gospel. And, and I've heard this used not always in a positive way, but oftentimes it's sort of used like, like, like a conversation ender, like a mic drop. When a conversation gets uncomfortable between two Christians or a group of Christians, and it strays into topics where, where somebody starts to feel like their comfort zone is being pushed against, or things are getting divisive, or the conversation's getting heated. I've, I've heard this, you've probably heard this. Can't we just focus on the gospel? Can't we just preach the gospel? And I know that that sentiment usually comes from a good place, but, but it's not meant to be a conversation ender when we hear these words in the Bible. In fact, you're never going to find in Scripture this phrase, just preach the gospel, because just like we do, the Bible takes on a wide variety of topics. The Bible helps us speak into lots of different issues. Yes, there is clear proclamation of the gospel. I would argue every book of the Bible points us to the message of Christ. But the Bible also has a lot to say to us about how we raise our families and, and the, the, the issues that we ought to think about with regard to, to morality and our identities and, and how we, we deal with our lives at work, how we deal with our, our lives with our neighbors, what we're supposed to think about the poor, how we're supposed to care for them. The Bible has a lot of different topics that it addresses. It never says just preach the gospel. Here's what the command actually is throughout Scripture. It's simply preach the gospel. It's not just preach the gospel as a way to say, well, I don't want to talk about that thing with which I disagree. The command preach the gospel stands by itself because it is a command for all of us. There is not one of us as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, who are exempt from this command that we are to preach, that we are to proclaim the message of the good news of the gospel. Not as a mic drop, but as the core essential heart of what we believe. That we have been brought from death into life. And through Jesus Christ, salvation is available to others just as we have found it. Preach the gospel, each and every one of us. This is not just a command for the evangelists in the room, but it is the command and it is the commission to everyone who is a believer. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul being perhaps the most outside of, of Jesus Christ himself, the most faithful person to ever proclaim the gospel, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 these words that I knew as we began this series were where we were going to start. Because he boils down of everything that he wrote, of everything that he taught, of everything that Paul said, preached, or proclaimed. He makes a little statement in this chapter to the Corinthians of first importance, this is the message I proclaim to you. Within the New Testament, the majority of what we have was written by Paul. But only in this one place and only these two sentences does Paul say is the most important of first importance of everything that I've proclaimed to you. And so this morning, knowing that probably this wouldn't be the Sunday where we would have a lot of your visitors or guests that you've invited with us, though I'm sure we do have some guests here, we're glad you're here, but knowing that this Sunday would probably be the start as a, as a church family to really get our, our focus and our hearts focused on, on the next few weeks. I want this passage to launch us out 
into thinking about what's really at the core, the essential of what we believe in terms of the good news of the gospel message of Christ. Before Paul describes what the message of the gospel is, he begins in verses 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians 15 by reminding us what the gospel has done. And this is, this is a good thing. It's good to be reminded once in a while to come back to the simple truth of what the gospel has done for those of us who have believed upon the name of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to this word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. As we launch things this morning talking about the good news, I want you to hear this stated in just a little bit of a different way. We who have believed upon the truth of Jesus Christ for our salvation have not believed in vain. I hope you believe that. Listen, in the next few weeks, we're going to have some guests and visitors here. So if I'm going to make a statement like that, it'd be great to hear that you're excited about it, okay? And maybe say amen back a couple of times. I'm going to give you lots of chances this morning, okay? So you're going to get a mulligan. Let's try a do-over, a mulligan. We who have believed upon the truth of Jesus Christ for our salvation have not believed in vain. Amen. On the contrary... The good news of the gospel is that we have been saved by Jesus Christ through the cross and the resurrection. We can stand firm on that promise because Jesus Christ is the solid rock upon which we stand. Our faith is not based upon the message of a mere human being. And it's not based upon just a proclamation in a pulpit like a church in a church like this. Our salvation is rooted in the promises of Christ himself and he is the solid rock on which we stand. And through the cross and the resurrection, we can proclaim with joy in our hearts, just as we said last week, that we have indeed been brought from death into life. And we have been brought from darkness into light. And we have been transformed from sinful beings into a new creation. And we have gone from searching for an identity to finding our identity in Christ. And we've gone from being citizens of just an earthly kingdom to being citizens of his heavenly kingdom. We are a part of his family and he is the solid rock upon which we stand. If our faith is in Christ, we have not believed in vain. But in Christ we have been saved and Paul reminds these believers in Corinth before he gets to that core essential message of what the gospel is remember brothers and sisters what the gospel has done for you what it does for those who believe but then Paul gets into the content of this simple gospel message what's at the heart of the good news of the gospel message and he uses this phrase in verse 3 what, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. So when, when we hear Paul say that phrase, which again, he says here, like he says in no other place, we ought to pause for just a second and say, what comes next is really important. Everything that Paul wrote, preached and proclaimed under the leadership of the Holy Spirit was important. 
but he singled this message out for a reason and he said this at the heart of the gospel is what i proclaim to you as of first importance now notice what paul did not say was of first importance he did not say i passed on to you as of first importance that you need to be sure if you die tonight that you'll go to heaven and not go to hell that's not what paul says now that's a a common way that a believer will begin a gospel conversation with someone and i'm not saying that there's something wrong with that but paul doesn't begin with the afterlife he doesn't begin with with asking a person to to simply make a decision because they want to make sure they've checked off the right box so that they're good when they die what paul does in 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 the next verses is say what, what I've passed on to you of first importance is the heart of the gospel that will transform not only your next life, but this life too. It will save you not only from eternal death, but from the death that is around you all the time, that is ruining your life, that, is, that has filled your heart with blackness, that has surrounded you with evil, that makes you feel like you're drowning in darkness. Of first importance is not just a message that will get you into heaven when you die but it's a message that will transform you to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, who not only believes the message, but who proclaims the message. Preach the gospel is a command for all of us. Notice what else Paul does not say. I passed on to you as of first importance. He, he doesn't say I've passed on to you as of first importance that God is really concerned about how committed you are to his preferred political party. He doesn't say that. He also doesn't say, I've passed on to you as of first importance that you don't look the right way. You don't speak the right way. You don't think the right way. You don't fit the mold that I think you should fit. No, Paul says, above anything and everything else that I've ever taught, preached, or wrote, is this simple message as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures and then he appeared to many people who saw that christ had risen from the dead this is what i've given to you as of first importance that according to the scriptures christ died he was buried and he rose again paul repeats that phrase according to the scriptures as a statement of authority so that there would be no misunderstanding that as Paul highlights above anything else he ever preached or taught or wrote, this is of, of first importance, that there would be no misunderstanding that, that somehow this was just his gospel or that this came from him or that he had some sort of some clever idea to create and package this in some way. He makes sure that it is abundantly clear and he says it more than once. According to the scriptures, this is of first importance. And think about in, in Corinth what we, what we can learn from First and Second Corinthians, but also what we can, we can learn from reading the book of Acts. There were lots of different kinds of people in the church, or we should probably say the churches in Corinth. Lots of different kinds of people from lots of different backgrounds, different religions, different philosophies, different worldviews, different walks of life. And as Paul is, is, is drilling down to the core essential message of the gospel, he knows his audience, and he has to have all of them in mind. For those who come from a Jewish background, 
to use this statement according to the scriptures has a very specific meaning. It, 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 it probably made them think of scriptures like we read this morning in our Old Testament reading. The prophecies of Isaiah, scriptures from the Torah, scriptures from the prophet, where Paul again is saying, what I'm proclaiming to you and what I've proclaimed to you, it's really nothing new. It's what God has been saying to his people all along was going to take place, and now it has taken place. It has happened. And for those who come from the Jewish background in Corinth, they would hear perhaps these words of Isaiah that he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For the Jewish mind that, that at least at the time, it's really kind of hard to articulate. What, what did Jews in the first century believe about life and eternal life? But you could, you could probably boil it down to something like this. They believe when you die, you go to the place of the dead, and if you actually belong to God, someday the Messiah will come and he will make it possible that you can be raised from the place of the dead to a place of eternal life. And Paul's saying to those from a Jewish background in Corinth, guess what? It's already happened. The Messiah has been here and he has taken up our pain and suffering. According to the scriptures, he would die. He has died for our sins. He was buried and he's been raised to life. Others in Corinth, from the Greek background, you, you probably had those who were trained by the Epicureans who believed that, that after you die, nothing happens. Or the Stoics who believed that, that when you die, essentially, you just, your soul just sort of gets absorbed into the divine. If there is a God, your soul just gets absorbed into whatever, whoever that God is. Or, or the Platonists who loved their Greek philosophy who believed in the immortality of the soul but, but didn't believe that it would ever be possible that a body could be raised to life after it dies. All of these different backgrounds, all of these different ways of thinking. And Paul says to them, here's what I've passed on to you as of first importance. And not only Paul, but when we read through the book of Acts, we see the apostles and the first Christians, the most common thing they say to everyone who had ears to hear is that Christ has risen from the dead. And Paul says, Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was actually dead. He, he was placed in the tomb because his body was no longer alive. It wasn't just that he was almost dead or barely alive or was asleep or was in a coma or because he was God, he went into the tomb and he was sort of like, okay, day two, this is getting a little bit boring. It's getting a little bit long in here. On the third, okay, finally it's day three. Let's push the stone out of the way and let's get on with the story. Scripture said he must die so that, that by dying in our place, we could receive the salvation of our souls because of our sins, which deserve death. And Paul says he did, he died, he was buried, but death and the grave did not have the final word. Death and the grave did not have the final word. According to the scriptures, Christ was raised on the third day. And many of us, Paul says, many of us saw him, and he spoke to us personally, and he gave us this message to proclaim. And this is the message of the good news of the gospel. It's at the center of it all. Now, now, now listen, there are other words we can use, and there are other words that Scripture uses. 
to, to communicate the central message of the good news of the gospel. But if we leave any of this out, we are not proclaiming the fullness of the gospel message that God gave to Paul. And where did Paul receive his gospel? Well, he says clearly, what I passed on to you, I received. And he received it first and foremost, as he says later in the text, because Christ appeared to him. But he also, after Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus, was surrounded by lots of other believers who had already been proclaiming that Christ had risen from the dead and had been proclaiming this central gospel message. So what Paul received that he passed on, if you trace it backwards, it came directly from the Lord himself. It's even proclaimed in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. And so what I received, Paul says, this is at the heart of everything we believe. And if we, brothers and sisters, are proclaiming the gospel and we are leaving out the story of the risen Christ, we are leaving out the heart of this message that has been given to us. I love the story of Charles Spurgeon and his grandfather. You may have heard this story before. Charles Spurgeon is one of the most influential preachers of the last 200 years. And he became, in his day, one of the most famous preachers in the world. But he tells the story of one day... He found himself in a, in a certain town, and he decided to just go visit the small little church there. And he said, as I was walking up to the chapel, I perceived that someone was already in the pulpit preaching. And who should the preacher have been but my dear, venerable grandfather? He didn't even know that his grandfather was preaching that day. And he says, Spurgeon says, my grandfather saw me as I came in the front door, and I made my way up the aisle. And at once he called me out in front of everybody. And he said, here comes my grandson. He preaches the gospel better than I can, but he can't preach a better gospel than I can. I love that word. He can preach the gospel better than me, but he can't preach a better gospel than me because there's only one gospel message. And each and every one of us, we don't have to be Charles Spurgeon to be faithful to the command, preach the gospel tell others the good news of what jesus has done for you as of first importance that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and then lastly that he appeared to many different people and in the next verses paul starts naming names first he appeared to cephas to peter then he appeared to the twelve after that, he appeared to more than 500 of our brothers and sisters. Many of them are still alive, so go ask them. They'll tell you they saw him with their own eyes. Some of them have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all of the apostles again. And last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me also, even as to one abnormally born. Paul and the other apostles the message that they were given is the message that they proclaimed and that they kept proclaiming and that they kept proclaiming. Many of them were even proclaiming it as they were killed. Look at what the Apostle John says at the beginning of 1 John chapter 1. He was an eyewitness and he says this, that which was, was from the beginning. As he said in John chapter 1, the word which was with God in the beginning, the word which was God, the word through whom everything that has been made has been made, we saw him. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard with our ears, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and which our hands have touched. This we proclaim 
concerning the word of life. That the life appeared, we have seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, but has now appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard. I love the way what Campbell Morgan says, the the way we know that the resurrection is true. He says the greatest proof of the resurrection is the existence of the church itself. Because we wouldn't be here if Christ had not risen from the dead. The apostles and the disciples, they would not have continued on to their deaths proclaiming that Christ had risen from the dead if Christ had not risen from the dead. The greatest proof of Christ's resurrection is the existence of the church, not his miracles, not his teaching, not even his dying, but it is his resurrection. The disciples were scattered like chaff when he was arrested, when he was crucified. They all ducked for cover, but they were gathered by the resurrection because when they saw with their own eyes that Christ had risen from the dead, it finally all came together for them. All that confusion, all the knuckle-headed comments they made to Jesus and the questions they asked, it all finally made sense and they were gathered by the resurrection and they proclaimed it to anyone who had ears to hear and we are here today because of that message and with that same message to proclaim, preach the gospel. It's what we've been called to do. I love the way that what Paul is going to do next is is turn things to to a very personal statement about his own faith. And each week during this series, I've asked someone from our church family to, to stand before us and to share just a part of their good news story, to share just a little bit about how how Christ saved them and brought them to salvation. This morning I want to invite Frank Khalil to come and he's going to share for a few moments a, a little piece of his story and what the Lord has done for him and you are going to be blessed tremendously by what the Lord has laid on his heart today. Would you welcome Frank Khalil as he comes to share with us. It's on now. Good morning, church family. I'm so humbled this morning to have this privilege, truly, to come before my church family and share just a glimpse of my testimony. Um, But before I do, um, I don't take it lightly that I have this opportunity to share a glimpse of what God has done in my life. Uh, So I ask that you pray with me. Father, we uh, come before your throne this morning as we've heard so much of your word that teaches us and reminds us that you are the only way. That your good news is the only news that can bring salvation, that can set us free. And that ultimately we can rest in that hope that we know eternal life awaits for us. God, I ask that the next few minutes that the words you've given me to share about my own life story would bring glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So a little boy who was born in the beautiful country of Brazil, um, who migrated here in my elementary school days, um, the only thing I knew about faith was that my dad had no faith, and my mother was this little farm Catholic girl that on Easter and Christmases, she would take us to church. I remember one time as a kid, 
um, as we migrated here, um, the thing we were taught in the home was to work hard, show respect, have dignity and character. But there was no God other than the few times my mother took us to church. Um, I recall once being at a store with one of my friends and a pack of gum being stolen. And I felt really bad that I didn't tell on him. Um, I remember asking my mother, what do I do with that? Um, and she, in a nice way, said, well, you know, you can go to the church and you can go inside a dark room and you can share what's bothering you with a man, a voice on the other side of this separate wall and he'll tell you what to do. And I thought, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I really felt that. Um, but that's what I was told. Um, I remember doing that a time or two, and it just felt really weird. I thought, wow, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. So at the age of 13, we had to move back temporarily. Um, and that was the time of surrender for me. Um, had one of my aunts come by the house um, and ask if I wanted to go to church camp. And that aunt just so happened to be uh, a Baptist little lady who just felt like she needed to ask me to go to church and to go to camp with them. So I said, sure. And I went to camp. And for an entire week, I heard about this Jesus we talk about. I heard about that he invites us into a personal relationship with him, that he invites us to just come to him wherever we are, at any place, at any time, to confess our sins. Um, and, and I was intrigued by, wow, this is the God that I've heard about, that I've known about, but didn't know him. So a little bit of an overachiever, we came back from camp. I did not go forward to camp. Um, I wanted to know more. And I began to go to church, and I began to go to Sunday school. And it wasn't two or three weeks later, I knew. I knew that I knew this is what God wanted for me. And I love painting this picture for you. Um, I think of my two kids every morning when they get up to go to school, they have these massive backpacks, right? You could probably relate if you think of your kids carrying these huge backpacks with all these books, and you're thinking, my goodness, who's going to pay for the chiropractor bill? Because they're so big. And that was kind of like sin in my life and this burden of not knowing Christ and not knowing what the good news was about. That once I discovered it, it was like I had this massive backpack and I needed to get rid of it. And that day at church, I took off the backpack. And I felt as light as feathers. I was so impacted by what God had done in me that day and what salvation was about. What John 3.16 tells us that, you know, he loves us and he sends us his only son to die for us so we could have eternal life. And that evening I was baptized. And I remember wanting to run down the street because I felt as light as feather, and I thought, man, I'll never sin again. I'll be perfect. Well, I learned that that was not true. Um, so I'll fast forward to, to share one more piece, and that is life after salvation. It's been a 35-year journey for me, and uh, don't let the cul-de-sacs fool you. I'm still just a kid like the pastor. I'm a young man, uh, just with a lot less hair, but um, it's been a 35-year journey, and, and it reminds me, one of the things that my faith walk reminds me is, is of a scripture that I love so much, one of many, but uh, it comes from the book of James, and this summer, you know, we went the summer of James, and it's in James 1, verse 2, 3, and 4, and it says this, 
Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, when you surrender to Christ, it seems like more challenges will come. But here's the good news. God is with you. There's nothing that, he, that the world can throw at you that he has not already conquered. And we are being tested and we are being made strong for the next storm and the next storm. But he's always there. He's always faithful. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And it's been a trial and error, but I've learned so much in these last 35 years of learning to walk with Jesus. I'll share one more scripture that's dear to me um, in closing, and that is in John 15, 5, where Jesus had just had his last supper, and he's walking towards the garden to pray, and he stops in that, in that transition at the vineyard. And he gives us such a beautiful illustration that he is the vine and we're the branches. And the one who is attached, the one who abides, remains in the vine, will bear much fruit, that apart from it we can do nothing. For all the youngins in the room, that's like anything that you have to plug into the wall for source. He is the source. If you don't plug it in, there is no life. There is no source. It will not turn on. It will not work. It will not bear any fruit. We have to be plugged into the source. And that's been my life journey is to learn every day to continue to stay connected and plugged into the source. But what does that source do? What does that life do? of bearing fruit looks like and I will close with that and it reminds me of my family our mission as you walk pull into the church is Matthew 28 19 right the great commission we are to go and share the good news where in Judea Samaria and the ends of the earth and where is Judea Judea is home and I think of my home I think of my best friend and soulmate my wife Julie I think of the two kids that he's entrusted to me and I think of the fruit that God has allowed me to have because of the good news in my life. And just as recent in the last probably five years, I've had the privilege to watch my children come to know Christ, and I've had the privilege as a dad to baptize my kids. That's fruit because of the good news, because of that day at 13 in that little bitty church in an urban place in South America me taking off the backpack and saying God I'm all in I am all yours so this morning I will say this um, do you live by the good news because it's, it's designed it's been given to us by our creator to be part of our story and I hope that if you're here this morning just a little bit you've heard from me and you have not accepted this good news I know you'll have a chance this morning to do so and I pray that you do because it will change you for eternity. Thank you so much. Thanks, Frank. Frank and I have, uh, we've learned we have a lot in common. We both have our Mediterranean roots and uh, we both like to play some of the same instruments and we both came to Christ at the age of 13. So wonderful to hear your story. And I was really excited when Frank agreed to go first because I knew he would make it really clear that that this wasn't hard 
just to simply share the good news of what Christ has done for you. And I'm praying that you will feel that, that challenge and that, that those opportunities will come to you in the next few weeks. Paul does this in verses 9 and 10. As he finishes out the passage that we read this morning, he says, this is what the good news of the gospel has done for me. And, and he, he sort of explains it almost like, and I feel like I was the least deserving. I feel like I'm the misfit in this family because I persecuted the church. But God's grace to me was not without effect. And he welcomed even me, a sinner like me, into this family. And maybe sometimes you feel like Paul felt. You might feel like you're a little out of place. Feel a little bit unworthy. Feel like maybe you're not as welcome as others. That is not what God says about you. That's not what God said about Paul. And for each and every one of us, when we're brought into this family, when we say that Christ is Lord, like you heard this morning, we are saying that, that Jesus Christ, his word is the final word. And that's how we were welcomed into this family. Our identity is in Christ. We are a part of this family as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And Paul says at the end, whether, whether then it is I or the apostles, the others, this is what we preach. This is what you have believed. And if you have believed upon Jesus Christ for your salvation, brother and sister, you have not believed in vain. And if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you know right now what it is to feel like you are wrapped up in the chains of your own sin, you're carrying that heavy backpack around, Jesus Christ can set you free and release you from that burden. And you can know from this day forward that he is the Lord of your life. Here in just a moment, we're going to have the opportunity if you feel Christ is calling you to take that step today and to come to him to surrender your life to do that. As we walk away, all of us today, what, what should we do in response to the good news of Christ's salvation? We should believe in our hearts that it is true. We should confess and proclaim with our mouths that it is true. We should live like it is true. And we should be people of hope like it is true, knowing that there are so many around us who are desperate to, to hear a message of hope. We should live like it is true and be people of hope like it is true. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to many. By this gospel we are saved, and we have not believed in vain. Preach the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you today for the many ways we have heard the good news proclaimed. From brother and sister in the baptistry, from our sister Inez in the baptistry, in song, in scripture, in spoken word, in testimony. Lord, we thank you that that work that you have, have been doing among your people for literally millennia is work you are still doing today. And Lord, we want to be a part of it. And we are praying that today and in the days to come, we would see more people who know that they have been brought from death to life, who proclaim that you are Lord, who surrender their hearts and their lives to you. Would you be with us, Lord, in a very personal way through your presence? as we sing one last song, as we proclaim the good news one last time in this service, 
Would you speak to every heart and would you draw people to yourself? Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me if you would as our ministers make their way forward. I, I know folks from Redeemer Church across the street might beat you to lunch today. I'm sorry about that. But in the last few minutes that we have left, there's no more important place we can be than right here in this moment to worship. And for you, if you know that Christ is speaking to your heart and he is drawing you to him today, this is an opportunity to step out and to come to Christ and to surrender your life, to lay down your life like I did when I was 13, Frank did when he was 13, and we've even seen testified to here today. If the Lord's speaking to your heart about anything else, you need to make a decision today. Now's the time. If you need prayer, come up. We would, we would love to pray for you, or you want to come pray at the altar, you can do that. Let's sing and let's worship, and most importantly, let's each take the next step of obedience in our hearts as Christ leads us and as we sing. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a grave. 
Thank you so much for joining us in worship today. Remember to take this home. We don't want these back. We want you to take them home, use them as a prayer reminder, and lift up that person. And we'll pray over these names together for these next six weeks. And hopefully you'll have the opportunity to invite someone to be a part of one of our services or our events. Remember, as always, we do have a minister available right after this service in our office lobby. So if you'd like to talk with or pray with a minister after this service, head to the office lobby. That minister will be happy to meet with you today. If you're a guest, a visitor, we'd love for you to stop by our welcome area for guests. We have a, a gift for you there. There. Uh, you can meet some of our church family. Thank you for being here with us today. I'll offer our blessing, and that will serve as our benediction and will be dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you, and may God turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Preach the gospel.